Welcome, welcome, welcome to Chromatic Distortion with Corey Caesar. thing even on testicles one two testicles one two what's going on all you beautiful bastards and all you beautiful people that have a father in your life welcome back to chromatic distortion i'm your host at mildly pimtastic Corey caesar coming to you live and direct from the living room straight to your earlobes and that was uh that was eddie murphy that was eddie murphy party all the time coming straight to your earlobes bro if you forgot that gem um this is episode 36 and it's another current events episode this is how we said we we're going to be doing these from now on uh, doing the normal episode, then following it up with a back-to-back current events. Um, and I, ha- I have some interesting stories that popped up over the last couple of weeks, so we're going to discuss those a little bit. Um, but before we get into that, uh, make sure you guys do go to Chromatic Distortion Podcast Instagram page uh, to get into my weekly one-minute rants. That's a new thing we've been doing. Those are, those are only available on Instagram, and I am um, dropping those every Thursday. That's the that's the schedule so far. It's been every Thursday um, as of right now, right about 6 p.m. That's about the time we drop our uh, all of our content on Instagram. If you've noticed, about 6 p.m. on any day we drop something at 6 p.m. That's the day that people are mo- that's the time that people are most active. Um, so yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna need to go there to hear those, and they're they're getting good, man. They're getting a lot of support, a lot of love. Um, they're they're straight comedy too. They're funny. There's nothing political about them. It's just me being stupid. It's just one minute. As much as much words as I can get in. Um, and also, real quick, um, if you haven't found the show, you know you know we've been making gradual up upgrades to the studio over the last year, just like piece by piece. Um, you know, different shit to to make this thing smoother, sound better, be better for everybody, me and you. Um, and uh, uh, I brought in that Rodecaster like three episodes ago, as we talked about. And uh, I hope you have been enjoying those those little audio cut ins that I've been doing. You know, like the little the little cut ins. Um, if not, leave some hate mail. Uh, leave some hate on that social media. Let me know you don't like those. I'll, I'll cut them out, but not really, because I, I like them. But I'm just like I'm, I'm make you feel like like you involved in that part of it. Um, I'm the producer, fuckers. All right, I do everything. I'm the writer. I'm the producer. I'm the uh, uh, I'm the audio engineer. I'm the uh, PR guy. I'm the uh, the editor. I'm the public uh, publish publisher. I do all of it, bro. I'm, I'm the jack of all trades, master of zero. Um, oh, and I'm the host. I'm the hostess with the mostess, in case y'all forgot. Um, but it, but it's been amazing, man. This roadcaster really has been amazing for me. It's really changed the game on how long it's taken me um, to do everything. It's it, it's cut down realistically. It's cut down my time on editing like tenfold, like no bullshit. Um, I think I edited last week's serial killer edition in less than ten minutes. It was done. I mean, I'm doing all these straight recordings. There's there's no um, breakups. These are all all recorded straight through, but all the pieces are put together through this roadcaster. So I don't got to piece that shit together. Um, and, and it does its own little editing inside of it a little bit, like um, in terms of the plugins, 
like my little my deesser because my s's hit hard and then and then um my my p's are my p's are pretty rough so that you get that little distortion so it helps with that with the noise gates and shit and takes out some of the background um little little minute noises that might that the mic might pick up so this has been really it's been really great for me i used to have to do back um go back and do that um post uh post recording now now it just does it for me so it's been pimp man and like i said that was taking me hours before so 10 minutes compared to hours it's really changed the game for both of us for me and you um because i'm gonna be able to get better content right um and also last week was the first time I got to use that new microphone that was on back order for about a month. And I was really pleased with how it performed. It sounded great. Um, it came out good. Uh, I thought it sounded great. Um, if it didn't, let me know. It, it, I'm uh, I'm real biased, I guess. Like I'm also a critique. But I thought uh, everyone always says it's, it's always sounded good. But I, I don't think it always has sounded that good. In terms of like once I've got my my, my uh, original microphones, but last one I thought was the crispiest. It was the cleanest in my opinion, and it sounded the most professional. But that's just me. That's my own bias, probably. Um, but yeah. Um, so so with all this new new equipment and it getting easier for me, um, like I said, it's only going to mean better content for you, the listener, and it also means I'm going to be doing um, as many back to back episodes as possible from here on out. I know we touched on that a few episodes ago. Um, I think I'm going to start rolling that out. I think I'm ready. Um, I have some great um, episode topics already planned out. Um, I got smart about a month ago, and I'm an avid note taker when it comes to this podcast, and that's a shout-out to Joe Riley of Musically Meditated Podcast. He's also been a guest a couple times, and I've been a guest on his um, for getting me onto that note tip. I really wasn't doing notes at first. Um, and he was like, dude, you, you need to take notes. It'll help you out. And so I started and, and back then I was, and, and really when I started, I was only using the notes for the episodes themselves and it's gradually, um, became more detailed, I guess, even for the episodes, but it always seemed like I was scrambling for a topic idea. Like when it was time to start putting something on, on paper, it's like, man, I thought I, I thought of like four, four or five different, uh, good ideas last week. Why can't I remember them? You know, I couldn't remember like, what do I, what do I want to talk about? Um, so, so now anytime a topic pops in my head, basically, like if I'm just shooting the shit with somebody, you know, and that's how it usually comes to me. Like I'll, we'll just be, I'll just be discussing something with somebody and, uh, something will pop in my head. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting topic. I can talk about that. So, um, what I've been doing is right then and there when that, when that idea pops in my head, pull out that iPhone, go into that notes section. And that's where I write all my notes. And I have a, a another little, a new little tab now show ideas and I, and I jam down instantly. And that list is growing, dude. That list is growing pretty quick. I think I got like twenty topics already, probably. Um, and, and some and some of those topics are going to be mult, multiple phased. I, I got a good topic coming up, and it might be our next one. I don't want to. I don't want to jump the gun on that. I don't really know what I'm going to pick yet. But uh, I know I have been also slacking on the guest front, guys. I know. I promise I will start working on that a little harder uh, here in the coming months. It's. It's just I'm I'm weird like that, man. I feel weird asking people, "Hey, man, you want to come on my podcast?" You know, it's just I don't know. It's just a weird dynamic for me. Um, I've never been good at that. I've never been good at like asking people for like help or favors or like wanting to do something. I'm, I'm usually the dude that just kind of like, eh, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm not gonna bother people, even if like we uh we talk about it. I have a real hard time just like even following up with that. Does that make sense? 
Um, cause I feel like, I, I don't know, man, maybe he didn't really want, maybe he didn't really want to be on, or maybe she didn't really want to be on. And then, and then it's like, eh, do I really want to bother them and put them on the spot? Cause I know me as someone who uh, struggles with social anxiety a lot. Um, I, I feel when someone asks me something, I almost feel pressured. You know what I mean? Like, like, if, like if I already said yes, and then it's like, oh man, but if I don't really want to do it, or if I start feeling weird towards, towards that time it comes up, it's like, man, it's like, you almost just want that to go away. And you don't want to be asked again because, you, you know, you know, then it's going to like be like, oh, man, now I got to really do it because I've already said yes. And I'm the guy that once I say yes to some, that's, that's it. My word's my bond, dude. Um, so so I, I feel like I put myself in my own position, I guess. On the other hand, I'm like, man, if they don't really want to be asked, then I don't really want to like, you know, bring it up again and, and make them feel pressured. But I'm going to get on that. I'm going to work harder for that. I do like these. I'm not going to lie. I'm selfish. And I really do like doing these by myself. I think it's easier for me. Um and that's probably just because I haven't I haven't had that much uh, experience with a guest, you know, that repertoire back and forth. Even though I do feel my content in terms of my uh, my own personal abilities um, is definitely better when I have someone to talk to because I have a really weird memory and I, I have a, a, a good recall memory, but I need something to spark that memory. So so I need other other ideas f- flying around the round table, if that makes sense, for me to get like deep into my knowledge base and uh I know a lot about. I, I know a little bit. I know a little bit about a lot of things, right? I'm not. I'm not no expert in anything. I never claim to be an expert. I never claim to know anything, um, more than anybody else. All all I know is is I read a lot. I I retain a ton of information, and um, it comes out when people talk to me. So that that's basically why I think the guest dynamics is a little bit better. But uh, like I said, man, I like doing these by myself. Man, I'm selfish. And I, and I like hogging the mic. I'm a mic hog. I'm a, I'm a hog when it comes to talking too, man. I know my friends probably feel like, feel like I cut them off a little bit. I don't do that on purpose. I just get excited, you know, like when someone, cause I just get excited and when I start talking, you know? Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. I'll work on that coming up. I, I got a, uh, I know my, my mom and buddy's going to come on for sure. We've been talking about it for a while. I've been really slacking on that, on, uh, on that front. So I'm going to get something put together here in the next couple of weeks so we we can get that ball moving. So we can get another guest up in here for you guys. Um, summer's winding down, man, you know, and that weather here in Northwest Indiana for the last two weeks has been phenomenal, phenomenal, like 75, bro. Sunny with that nice, cool breeze. My favorite time of year. This is my favorite. This is my favorite weather the last couple, couple weeks. I like that 75, a little bit of sun, a little bit of that cool breeze, boy. I don't know. It's just, um, maybe cause I was a former fat kid and I sweat a lot, but I, even as a skinny guy, I sweat a lot, guys. I sweat a lot. I'm talking like, man, I got to, sometimes I'm not going to lie. I'll, I'll I'll admit it. Uh, gender neutral. I ain't fucking, I ain't afraid. Uh, I shave my armpits in the summer. Sometimes I haven't, I haven't this year, but almost every year I shave my armpits in the summer because I sweat that much. And it really does. It cuts down on that sweat about 65%. If I had a guess. So, you know, I get like a, you know, I'll get the big under, uh, under my arms. Do y'all raise my arms up and you'll see that sweat patch. I'm sweating right now, and I'm by myself, guys, talking. And I got, I got my air on 69 right now, and I can feel the sweat just dripping. And I don't feel nervous right now. I don't feel, I don't feel nervous when I do these podcasts anymore. I, when I first started, I did. You, you would feel like, oh man, man, people are hearing what I'm saying. If I fuck up, if I say something wrong, I don't even care, man. I misspoke, dude. I'm telling you right now, I misspoke like four or five times in that last episode, probably. Um, and I caught it. You might not have caught it, but I caught it. Um, either way. Beautiful weather, and <laughs> your boy played some fucking basketball yesterday outside in that beautiful weather. 
And let me just say, man, nothing says you're 37 like some four-on-four full-court basketball. T! T! Time out. I'm burning. My lungs are burning. Time out. Time out. I swear to God, dude, that was me yesterday. My lungs were burning. I couldn't breathe. And uh, and I woke up this morning, guys. First of all, I was getting cramps last night in my in my calves. I had to work those out, dude. I felt them, dude. They were they were coming they were coming on, and uh, those leg cramps were the worst. I did a one minute rant about them. I think number two or number three. Check that out, Instagram. Um, but yeah, man, I woke up today, dude. My legs are so heavy, so sore. My thighs hurt. My upper body's even a little sore, which I thought was a little weird. Um, but my legs for sure, man, they're hurting right now. I'm I'm not. I'm not young anymore. Let's put it that way. But, uh, oh, excuse me. And the summer also means football season is just around the corner for you football lovers. And, uh, just for, just so you guys know, I do get balls deep into fantasy football with a group of my friends. This is like our eighth or ninth, uh, year in one of our keeper leagues we do. Um, and it's one of the few times a year that we, we all kind of have the opportunity to, you know, kind of all be in the same place at the same time you know, for our draft, which takes place the Sunday before Labor Day every year. Um, so I always look forward to that. I always look forward to the camaraderie with my bu- with my with my boys. Um, and I know last year, so this is more for you guys. I know last year the podcast kind of went dormant for most of the football season. Um, I, I promise that won't happen again this year. I got I got too involved. I it was I was trying to do these too quickly. I wasn't good at it yet. And it was um you know, I play for money, guys. I play for real money, and this is a five-year cycle. We play with my friends, and then there's big money at the end of that cycle. So you need to do good every year. Um, so, so I was like, you know, it, it was hard for me to kind of keep up with that, and then try to keep doing this podcast, which I was doing. Like, you know, I was doing a couple of week back then. Um, so that won't happen. I promise, guys. I'm I'm way better at this. It's way easier for me now to get these together. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I may throw a football. I may, I mean, I might have, I might do a football episode and you might not like it, but you know, that's what our podcast is. Um, all right. That's all I got. That was a 14 minute. I was like a 14 and a half minute intro. I'm sorry. I fucking rambled. Um, hopefully this won't make this podcast run too long. Um, all right, you little bitches. Let's get into today's episode. Um, for any first time listeners, uh, I've been pulling some interesting stories uh, that have come up during the last two weeks. And that's kind of how we do these current event episodes. Um, it's, it's nothing really, uh, I try, I try not to get too, too political in these, um, cause some of my other episodes get political. So these are basically just some, some interesting stories I thought were, um, u- unique or interesting or, you know, and, and we do, you know, we definitely gonna do some true crime cause everyone loves that true crime. So we'll do some, you know, we would definitely do some murder, but, uh, let's, uh, let's start off with a few stories. Uh, participating in that criminal mischief. Um, the first story we have for you is uh, we have like that little uh, uh, Lorena Bobadish uh, uh, incident and a shameless promo real quick. Check out episode 30, e- Emasculation Proclamation to hear her story. We covered it. Um, but this time we have a man cut, uh, we have a man, a man this time cutting off the dick of another man, bro, which I'm just going to start off with saying that's 100% against man code because a woman may not understand um, the sanctity maybe of a man's dick. So Lorena can get that slight pass, not a hard pass, just a slight pass. But a, a, a man knows the pain of them C&Bs, bro. 
the pain that them CMBs can afflict both emotionally and physically. Um, now, a CB, CMBs is a is a politically correct way um, to say your cock and balls. All right, for you layman's that may not have understood what I was saying, CMBs, cock and balls. Um, now, this story is wild. So a Florida man was arrested after he allegedly tied up a man he caught sleeping with his wife earlier this year and used scissors to cut off his dick. Alex Bonilla, 49, broke into his neighbor's home. So this is his neighbor fucking his wife. Um, broke into his neighbor's home Sunday and held the man whose identity so this had been last Sunday, whose identity uh, has not been released at gunpoint before forcing him into a bedroom and attacking him with the scissors. Now, that's kind of weird because, like, you know, someone's, um, you know, someone's kind of forcing you into your bedroom and thinking, like, man, what's this dude doing to me? You gonna rape me? And then, and, then, and then he starts taking your pants down. You're probably like, what the fuck is going on here? And then he cuts off your dick. It's like, man, I don't know, man. I'd almost rather, uh, I mean, not to, uh, I mean, rape's horrible, but I'd almost rather be raped than have my dick cut off, dude. I'm not going to lie about it. You know, I, I don't, I mean, I don't really know. I haven't been put in that situation, but man, dude, that's a, uh, that's a hard decision to make, uh, which one you'd rather have. Um, and, and the worst part of this whole incident was there was two children, um, who were reportedly in the home when this incident took place. So they're probably traumatized now for a good long while, if not for life. Um, the victim who called police to report the crime told deputies that after the attack, Benila ran from his house across the street to his own home with the man's penis in tow. So he didn't even leave the dick behind. Took it. Um, homeboy was only charged with two counts of cruelty towards a child and a count each of burglary, uh, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, false imprisonment, and the use of a firearm. His bail has been sent at, uh, set at one point two five million dollars. That's a that's a hefty that's a hefty bail. Um, the victim was hospitalized, but the status of his severed uh, appendage remains unknown. Man, you got to be a uh, dude. You have to be at boss level rage, dude, to go to that level. I'm just going to say that. My, my question is, um, what did he do to his wife? Or was he only blaming the dude? Look, in my opinion, um, it's never on the other party. Does that make sense? Like, so if I'm in a relationship with my wife, I don't have a wife, but if I did and she bangs someone else, it's not dude's fault. Right, unless he has a, some sort of connection to me, like he's my friend, it's not dude's fault. That's that's your fault, and it's your wife's fault, right? Because um, your wife has the responsibility to uphold her vows, not the dude. That dude didn't make no promises to you. She did. He didn't promise you shit. Maybe you weren't laying that dick down like you should, or maybe you just had a bad temper and you were uh, treating your wife like shit, and she just wanted to feel some love, or maybe she's just a hoe. I don't really know. But in any case, not homie's fault. Soccer has a goalie doesn't mean you can't score. And it seems like you were probably a shitty goalie. Boom. Um, huh. We had a man try to uh, smuggle cocaine under a hilariously horrible hairpiece. You look ridiculous. Fucking did to ridiculous. Um, a man was detained in Barcelona. So this happened in Spain. Uh, for trying to smuggle more than $33,000 worth of cocaine under his poorly fitted wig. The man, who is Colombian but has uh, yet to be identified, appeared nervous when departing a flight, and he drew uh, suspicion from the popo for that. Um, <laughs> dude, you guys got to look at this picture, man. His hair appeared dramat uh, dramatically outside, uh, outsized, which led police to ask him, you know, hey, man, remove your toupee, bro. 
And um, underneath, they found a package filled with more than one pound of cocaine. Um, and police released two mugshots of this man, one of which he's still wearing the toupee and the other showing the package of cocaine on his head. These pictures are absolutely 100% hilarious. Uh, I may end up even, not going to lie, I may end up even using um, that picture for the cover art for this episode. Uh, I don't know yet. Though. I, don't, I don't name these into the end or, or get the picture ready. Um, but it is unclear uh, whether the man who was charged with a public health violation, which is kind of a weird charge, um, was still being detained. Now, this isn't the first time someone has tried to smuggle cocaine beneath the wig. In 2014, two Portuguese women were arrested upon arriving in Madrid after sewing nearly three pounds of cocaine into their wigs. But, I mean, they got more cover. They're women. So women got big hair sometimes. Definitely be rocking that Peggy Bundy uh, poof, bruh. Um, in June, the same day as the incident in Spain, U.S. authorities seized more than $1 billion worth of cocaine at that Philadelphia port, which was one of the biggest drug busts in American history. And, and we actually talked about that that exact bust on this Ice Cream Tastes Like Pee episode, which was the last Current Events episode. So that's kind of cool. That was a nice little tie-in. thought I'd just, you know, shameless promo again here because um, that's what we do. Um, moving on, we had a 77-year-old murderer. This is a crazy story, dude. We had a 77-year-old murderer deemed too old for prison, so they released him early, and guess what he did? Murdered again. That's right. And this dude's name is Albert Flick, not to be confused with Albert Fish, serial killer extraordinaire. Um, and and this, this dude first landed in prison in 1979 when he was found guilty of stabbing his wife to death in front of her younger daughter. Now, the 77-year-old, who a judge literally previously deemed too old to pose a threat has been sentenced to jail again for nearly the identical crime. So much for that good judgment there, judge, right? Um, Flick was found guilty on Wednesday of murdering Kimberly. I don't, I want to say Doobie, but I think it's Dobby, but it'd be a lot cooler if it was Doobie. It's Dobby. Kimberly Dobby, a 48 year old mother who police say was stabbed at least 11 times in front of her twin sons. So the exact same crime. Think about that, dude. That's fucking nuts, man. And it, and it, took, uh, it took the jury only 40 minutes to convict this dude. The trial featured surveillance footage of the stabbing, so they had it on video even. And, it, and this took place outside of a laundromat, dude, in, in Lewiston, Maine. She was just trying to do her laundry. Um, Flick was also caught on video purchasing two knives just days before the murder. Flick served, uh, originally served 25 years for that 1979 murder and um, was then imprisoned again in 2010 after assaulting another woman. So here we go. He gets out 25 years after that murder, goes out, insults another person in 2010, you know, gets uh, thrown in jail again. And in that case, a judge rejected the prosecution's recommendation for a longer sentence, claiming that the dude of his age flick would not pose a threat and here's his quote at some point mr flick is going to age out of his capacity to engage in this conduct and incarcerating him beyond the time that he ages uh out doesn't seem to me to make good sense from a criminological or fiscal perspective are you fucking kidding me? Hey, I don't know. I don't know if you know history, but literally, you know, that guy who I said don't confuse him with, Albert uh, Fitch, that was an old-ass man fucking murdering people and eating them. 
I mean, dude, with the with the tools we got, we're we're human beings, bro. I can murder you with in uh uh inanimate fucking objects, bro. Like there's a million things in my home right now I can murder you with. It doesn't matter if I'm old or not. I still murder you. Sorry. Shit can happen. Like that's just a fucking I don't know, it's just so weird. Just so weird, man. Um we lock up people for certain shit, you know, and then and then others were like, oh, he's too old. Um, as a result, though, from this stupid judge, he was released in 2014. So murdered somebody, then got out, assaulted somebody else. They're like, no, we'll just release him, you know, a couple years. You don't need to stay in jail no more. Um, and then he moved to that town, Lewiston. It was there that he uh, met homegirl who was homeless, unfortunately. And uh, he began stalking her, according to the prosecutors. Now, uh, the assistant attorney general, Bud Ellis, told the jury that when uh, Flick discovered Doby was planning on leaving town, he decided to kill her because he, you know, he, he didn't want to lose his stalking victim. Um, sentencing in this case is set for August 9th. Flick faces at least 25 years in prison and prosecutors have said they will seek a life sentence. What do you mean seek a life sentence? In what reality would, would we as a society need to seek that from this man? Should be implied, bro. Life. In fact, in fact, I'll fucking say it because I'm not a bitch. We just put him to death right now, bro. Save that money instead of housing and feeding him for the remainder of his life, dude. Let's murder him. Let's put him. Let's put him out of his misery. I don't care. Oh, I'm. I'm saying, dude. I'm not. I'm not afraid of that, dude. We can bring back the firing squad for all I say. Public executions, dude. That'll change a lot for us. I'm telling you. Um, how about the FBI found bucket of heads, arms, and legs and bodies sewn together at an Arizona body donation. Facility. I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. No, it's not. It's it gets gross. the people going. Yeah, I don't know what that fucking means either. Um, uh, body donation facility. Crazy. Um, a lawsuit testimony. So um, this came out. Of th- this We only know this information because there was a lawsuit and there was some testimony and the testimony got released. So this was great. This was great about public... Um, information being released because you get the you get the you get to know what really is going on in some of these fucking places right so we would never have known that if this one when it got released we just thought yeah some weird case but um so this lawsuit testimony provides gruesome details of an fbi raid in which agents found buckets full of body parts and body made and a body made of sewn together parts from different people that was hung up on a wall bro at this arizona body donation center and like i said if you were like me you are sitting here um, saying to yourself, what the fuck is a body donation center? And apparently they are the places you can donate your body for research after death, you know, for medical shit. So obviously the center was conducting some experiments that um, weren't so kosher. And now according to KTVX, I'm sorry, KTVK, uh, the FBI raided the Biological Resource Center or the BRC located in Phoenix in 2014 as part of a multi-state human body parts um, trafficking raid. So obviously this was going on all over the country. Um, first we're hearing about it, that thank you government. Um, one agent claimed he found a cooler filled with male genitalia, a bucket of heads, arms, and legs, infected heads, and a small woman's head sewn onto a large male torso like Frankenstein and hung up on a wall, bro. The lawsuit also says bodies were cut apart using chainsaws 
and bandsaws, and that pools of blood and bodily fluids were found on the freezer floor. These are the fucking people that are running these kinds of uh, uh, places. Yeah. Uh, and this is a horror story. It's just unbelievable. The story is unbelievable, said Troy Hart, who was one of the 30, um, o- um, over 30 plaintiffs in the lawsuit against this one facility. Now, Harp donated his mother and grandmother to the BRC in 2012 and 2013 with the understanding that their bodies would be used for scientific purposes. Harp told the news outlets he received his mother's ashes via mail, but now he isn't so sure that they're even really hers, adding that his mother and grandmother wanted to help advance medical research. However, he doesn't believe their bodies ever made uh, out of the BRC. He's also calling for stricter uh, regulations on these types of facilities. Now, as a, a as an ANCAP, as someone who's who's borderline anarch uh, capitalist, um, and, and and a Rothbardian uh, libertarian, I don't like regulations, man. I, I really don't. I don't like government interference. But if we're gonna be doing something weird like this, then there needs to be some oversight of some sort. And I don't know how we go about doing that. But I mean, obviously, this is gonna uh, draw fucking freaks, dude. And and this place did draw some freaks. He wanted to play around with fucking dead bodies. Like, play around with them. Not for medical purposes, but play around like a fucking psychopath. Um, and and, and here, here, here's, here's, here's the great criminal justice system for us guys, right? Uh, another great um, verdict read for this dude. BRC owner Stefan Gore. And, here, and the irony of the name, dude, right? Gore. <laughs> you, God, man, I, I, it's so weird. How ironic these names are in these stories, guys, right? It's like you're almost predestined to do this shit. Motherfucker's name's Gore. He's running a fucking Gore house, bro. Um, and, and he he reportedly pleaded guilty, so he's claiming I'm guilty, to illegal control of an enterprise. And he was sentenced to, you ready for this, guys? Ready for this? One year of deferred jail time and four years of probation. So that's what you get for being an absolute psycho who desecrated and played around with human remains. You know, just one year deferred jail and four years of probation. But we're still throwing people in fucking cages for smoking weed and fucking up their taxes. Like making a mistake on your taxes, you go to jail. This dude's cutting up human bodies and sewing them together, hanging them on walls. Eh, one year deferred. No big deal. And uh, just real quick, speaking of... uh, of that, um, of going to jail and whatnot, and and, and being, people being thrown in cages for smoking weed and taxes, um, I think last week they started implementing that First Step Act, right, which is the first major prison reform bill that we've had passed in a really long ass time, and uh, I think we're set to release about three thousand people from jail like pretty pretty soon. So that that's a, uh, it's the first step, you know. I think there's going to be a second step coming. They're already talking about it, and we need that. We need criminal. We need cr- criminal justice reform. We need to work on better ways to help these people. Definitely nonviolent criminals. Nonviolent criminals do not need to be in jail. They just don't. Sorry. They need better help. They need better resources. We need to do better as a society to help these people. Um, jailing people is not the answer for nonviolent criminals. Now, violent criminals, bro, we've thrown them in jail. Sorry. You want to attack another human being, you go to jail. You smoking weed, you bro. Slap you on your wrist. We shouldn't do nothing, but you know, we can't be throwing people in jail for that kind of shit, guys. It's fucking, it's inhumane. Um, um, so, 
at least we're moving in the right direction on that front, right? With the with that First Step Act, um, look it up. I don't want to get in too much detail on that because that's kind of political. But go ahead and look that up. That's a really good. That's a really good move for us as a country. Had a bipartisan support both sides, um, and that that's really I. Uh, that's the uh, I want to say that's that that's that Kim Kardashian bill, bro. As much as much as she sucks, dude. I mean, that was her doing that. That was her meeting with Trump in the White House. I think is what brought on this first step act. I could be wrong. I could be mistaken. There's two stories, but I'm pretty sure that's what that was. Um, moving on to some nature, because, you know, we love nature here. Um, we had a jellyfish as big as a human spotted by divers, guys. And uh, this thing is pimp as fuck. And there's not really much to say about this story because it's just really just some some divers that were uh, diving some big-ass jellyfish uh, swam up next to them. But I didn't realize these things got this big. So just uh, Google it. And, and watch the video or check out the pic of this majestic creature because it, it's phenomenal to see this thing so huge. And jellyfish are cool, man. You know, they don't really have brains. They're kind of just out there. And, and there's that one jellyfish who who literally uh, defies death. He, he'll get in a, a, in an anxious form, like where, where he's in trouble. And he will literally, re, uh, I don't, I don't want to say this wrong, but he'll like uh, go back into the... Um, uh, the adolescent self of him. So he'll be an adult jellyfish and he can literally change his fucking genes or whatever they fucking call it and uh, go back to his uh, pupil state, like the the adolescent state, and then start that life over again. It's fucking amazing. Um, so just check that out. It's pretty pimp. And I'm sure you guys have heard about those grasshopper infestations going on in uh, in Vegas. Well, this grasshopper swarm was so big, it looked like a, a storm on the weather radar, which I thought was pretty unique. And I think uh, Britain experiences something very similar every year with flying ants. So, the, I mean, the, the, these swarms were so big that when you looked at the Doppler, it looked like there was a storm front, but there was no storm. It was just grasshoppers. Um, and like I said, I think Britain every year has those flying ants, uh, and that happens yearly. And I think they call it uh, Flying Ant Day, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just, I don't really know if that's true either, but you can look that one up too. Then we had, uh, we had the uh, Pamplona. The festival and that festival ended. That's the that's the uh, that's the bull running and shit. And that ended with uh, three gorings in that final bull run. Um, so one bull in particular broke free from the pack and he gored two Australians and one Spaniard during uh, Sunday's final bull run of this year's San Fermin Vest uh, uh, Festival. You did get <laughs> fucked up, bro. Uh, it and that that took the number of Gorings to eight for the eight bull runs that provide uh, a high adrenaline morning rush to the nonstop party that draws around one million people every year. Uh, while five of the bulls stayed in a group Sunday and charged through the twisting streets with their guiding steers, one bull drifted back and provoked havoc in the crowds of runners. The bull flipped one man over his horns and slammed him into the cobblestone street. It then clipped another uh, two runners who were trapped against a wall. And I'll, I'll say it good. Fucking good, dude. Uh, you, you fucking play with the uh, you play with the bull, you get the horn. Dude, this is... I don't feel bad for these people. First of all, you're treating these animals horribly. And, and, and if they fucking... I mean, you're asking them to fucking gore you. And you need to go, look how pimp I am, bro. This is going to get my dick sucked tonight because I ran with some bulls. And I can tell people about it. You deserved to get gored. I'm sorry. Um, regional hospital spokesman uh, Tomas Bel- Belzungi. I don't know. Fucking whatever. It's pretty. That's a hard name. I'm even going to try. Uh, said the man 
who had been tossed by the chocolate-colored bull named uh, Rabanero, was gored in the leg, while another man was gored in the right arm and a third in the armpit. The hospital said the wounds were not life-threatening. The Red Cross reported several other injuries from Knox um, received from the bulls and steers or from runners uh, just basically just tumbling out of the way because, you know, you get real scared once that bull actually comes and the alcohol is not so, uh, <laughs> ain't so, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, uh, ain't so confidence building then, you know, as this fucking couple, you know, this two-ton bull running at you. Um, so the, the, the previous seven bull runs had produced five Gorings, three Spaniards, and two Americans. The six bulls from the this one breeder, the Miura, bre- <clears throat> Miura breeder, who celebrated the farm's record extending 53rd showing at the festival, completed the 930-yard run uh, to the bull ring in two minutes and 42 seconds. And um, if you didn't know, once they make it here, uh, they end up their 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 reward, the bull's reward, is they get killed in the ring later that day. So that's what we do. And the San Fermin Festival was made famous internationally by Ernest Hemingway, that guy, in uh in nineteen in his nineteen twenty six novel, uh, The Sun Also Rises. Now, <clears throat> most revelers stay up all night or rise early enough to uh, gate from balconies or barricades as hundreds of runners dressed in the traditional white outfit with that red sta- uh, sash make their mad dash. Ooh, I rhymed. Um, 16 people have died in the bull runs since 1910. The last death, though, hasn't occurred since 2009. Obviously, animal right um, protesters have also become a fixture. <clears throat> oh, let me get some water, guys. My throat hurt. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, like I said, animal right protesters have uh, became a fixture here in Pamplona. Um, on the eve of this year's festivals, dozens of semi-naked activists staged a performance simulating uh, speared bulls lying dead on the streets to draw attention to what they see as animal cruelty for the sake of entertainment. And I agree, bullfights are protected under the Spanish <clears throat> Constitution as part of the country's cultural heritage. <clears throat> it's a it's a disgusting tradition. Bullfights are trash. They have um um these bulls are heavily drugged and sedated um prior to these fights y'all pussies so in case in case you know when those dudes are out there with their little fucking come come in the you know they got that little that little uh cape to the side that little red thing you know and the bull runs and they and they and then you know they're stabbing it right they're stabbing it with those little spears in in the back of the shoulders until the fucker dies as it runs by that's the game now these bulls are already fucking they're already drugged and sedated a little bit. So it's already not a fair fight. You want to be a pimp? You want to be a badass? You want to be a fucking hombre? Right? How about not drugging the bull? How will you fight the bull mano e mano, bro? If we're trying to be gladiators here, mano e mano. Y'all pussies, bro. I fucking hate them. My grandparents went. Um, It's one of the only stories I remember of my grandparents. I got two, I think two stories my grandparents went on vacations Back in the days, and there's two stories that always stick out in my mind. And one of those stories, I'm not gonna get in the second one, but the, one of the stories is always that uh, they went to um, they went to Portugal, and this was way back in the day. And they went to uh, they went, you know, because that's what people do, and they went to the bullfight, and they had to leave. My grandma said they had to leave because it was that disgusting. Um, so, so man, fucking trash. Um, let's see. Here we go. Here, here's a little uh, 
here's a little amazing story of humanity. So let's switch gears a little bit here. Um, Ethiopia planted 353 million trees, guys, in one day to restore forest. You absolutely heard that correctly. 353 million trees in one single day. So the government of Ethiopia announced Monday that its citizens had planted those 353 million trees in a single day as part of an effort to reverse um, decades of deforestation. It is believed that, that uh, to be the largest one-day mass planting in history, exceeding an effort in 2017 in India in which 1.5 million volunteers planted 66 million trees in just over 12 hours. Um Ethiopia has joined 20 other African nations in a pledge to restore almost 400,000 square miles of forest on the continent. According to the United Nations, forest cover uh, in Ethiopia has declined from 35% in the last century to just 4% today. And that that's a travesty. And also why we need to um why we need to um start utilizing hemp so we stop fucking taking down all these trees when we have a, a very um, renewable resource that grows very quickly um, at our disposal. Why don't we use it? We're humans, guys. Let's use what's here for us. Hemp's here, man. It does everything for us. It's a game changer. Um, but that's also that's also crazy, guys. E- think about that. Ethiopia was 35% cover, uh, covered in forest in 1900s. And in 2020, 2019, just four percent now. They lost thirty-one percent of the uh, of the thirty-one percent of their country was forest is now gone. That's that's nuts. That's 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 fucking it's crazy. Um, the four hundred twenty-six thousand square mile country in the Horn of Africa plans to plant a total of four billion trees by the beginning of the rainy season in October, um, with a population of about a hundred million people, including children. That goal will require every person in the country to plant at least 40 seedlings. That's not, that's not, that's not that big. That's not that, I don't think that's that hard to be honest with you. And government workers and students were given the day off to participate. Hey, I can get down on that, dude. If, if the U.S. wants to, if like, you know, I hate government spending, but if we want to spend some, some money on this, I'm okay with that. You want to tax me for this? All day long, uh, I'm an active, uh, I'm, a, I'm a willing participant. And uh, you should give people the day off. Hey, let's go plant some trees. Why don't we do that? Why don't we say, hey, we're, we got 300 million people. You just plant one tree. And you just did what they did. 300 million trees. One day. It's that easy. Um, now, earlier this month, and this is why we should do this, because earlier this month, a study published in the journal uh, in the journal Science calculated that planting a forest nearly double the size of the United States could save the planet from the worst consequences of global warming. So that's all you've been hearing from the left, right? We're going to die in 10 years. First of all, it's fucking, that's the, about the most retarded thing anyone could ever say. You're not going to die in 10 years, all right? And, and just to be honest with you, if you want to be not narcissistic about it and think that we own this planet, um, right now with our temperature and, and our climate in the world, we're still in the 10% coldest part of this planet's history. I said that right. So 90% of this planet's history, it's been way hotter, way warmer, way more CO2 in the air. We're in the 10% coolest time it's ever been. So this 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 thing that we can stop this planet from going back to where it was to save us is fucking utter retarded in my mind because like who says we're supposed to be here? 
you know, trees thrive in CO2. Why, why wouldn't the trees deserve to be here? They were here before us. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, you guys need to think about this. But um, if if you want to save global warming, right? Okay, and, and we do have a problem. We have a problem with, we are putting CO2 in the air. I'm not denying that. And I'm not denying that the weather's changing. It's not, I'm not denying that the weather's changing for the worst. I'm saying that there's an unrealistic um, goal from some people on what we can do about this and how we can do it. And we're, are we just going to live poor? You're talking $40 trillion here. It's fucking nuts. Um, but um, we could just plant some trees. According according to the UN, right, and according to the science, we just plant trees. And and and, uh, um, and the, these new forests would be capable of storing about 205 metric tons of carbon, which is pretty much, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's pretty much all of the carbon that... Um, humans have put into the atmosphere since the industrial revolution Boom, just from planting trees in the united kingdom government officials have estimated that um the country will uh need to plant 1.5 billion trees if it hopes to reach a goal of becoming carbon neutral by 2015 so that so the united kingdom's saying hey we can go carbon neutral by 2015 but we can't get rid of uh we can't get rid of um burning fuel because it's like just what we have right now. So their idea is plant trees to offset it. I mean, that's way more that to me, that's way more of a logical step, but that's just me. And I don't want to get, like I said, I don't want to get political. Sorry. Um, but setbacks to reforestation goals abound. Um, and all over the, all over the, all over the world, people are doing this, but us, all we want to do is talk about spending $40 trillion instead of talking about real solutions. Um, uh, in Brazil, president, um, Unfortunately, here, here, here's a backtrack. So in, in Brazil, President Jar uh, Bolsonaro has reversed the government's protections of the Amazon rainforest, opening the region to development, um, which, is a, which is another travesty. And since, since Bols, uh, Bolsonaro took office seven months ago, uh, 1,330 square miles of forest cover have been lost. According to the New York Times, um, 50 years ago, the Amazon forest was itself as big as the area of the lower 48 U.S. states, so basically the size of the United States of America. That was the Amazon rainforest. Since that time, it has been reduced by 16%, largely due to logging. We need to stop that. Um, there was an Ebola outbreak in the Congo, and that has now been declared a global health, uh, global health emergency. Um, the world, If you didn't know this was going on, a world uh, the World Health Organization expert committee declined on three previous occasions to advise the United Nations Health Agency to make the declaration for this outbreak, even though other experts say it has been long met and required, uh, uh, long met the required conditions. They've had more than 1,600 people um, have died since August in the second deadliest Ebola outbreak in history, which is unfolding in a region described as a war zone. A declaration of global health emergency often brings greater international attention and aid. Now, this declaration comes days after a single case was confirmed in Goma, a major regional crossroads in uh, northeastern Congo uh, on the Rwandan border um, with an international airport. Now, also, um, uh, a sick um, Congo Congolese, um, some dude from the Congo, uh, fish trader, he traveled to Uganda and back while uh, symptomatic and then later died of Ebola, right? So Dr. Joanne uh, Liu um, president of Doctors Without Borders said she hoped the emergency's designation would prompt a radical reset of Ebola response efforts. Um, she said the reality check is that 
a year in this epidemic is still not under control and we are not where we should be. She said, um, we cannot keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Someone else said that. And that was Albert Einstein. He called that insanity. And a man who is slightly less intelligent as Einstein, me, also agrees with that assessment. You, you can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Doesn't work. Um, she also said vaccine, vaccination strategies should be broadened and that more efforts should be made to build trust with the, uh, within the communities. Um, this is the fifth such declaration in history. So there's only been five of these ever in history, de- you know, declared a uh, uh, um, uh, global uh, global health emergency, right? Um, previous emergencies were declared for the, uh, the devastating 2014 through 2016 Ebola uh, outbreak in West Africa, if you remember that, and that killed more than 11,000 people. And um, the emer- and then there was the emergence of the Zika in the Americas, the swine flu pandemic, and then, ba- you know, obviously back in the day, polio, and that was a thing. Um, now, now uh, WHO, the World Health Organization, they, devi- they define uh, a global emergency as an extraordinary event that uh, constitutes a risk to other countries and requires a coordinating uh, international response. Last month, outbreak spilled across the border for the first time when a family brought the virus into Uganda after attending the burial in Congo of an affected relative. Even then, the expert committee advised against this declaration. Alexandria uh, Felon, a global health expert at Georgetown University Law Center, said Wednesday's declaration was long overdue. <clears throat> this essentially serves as a call to the international community that they have to step up appropriate financial and technical support, she said, but warned that countries should be wary of imposing travel and trade restrictions. Such restrictions would actually restrict the flow of goods and healthcare workers into affected countries so that they uh, they are kind of counterproductive, she said. Further emergency declarations might be perceived as punishment and might result in other countries not reporting outbreaks in the future, which puts us all at greater risk. Eh, I'm on the fence on that. I'm not on the fence on that assessment. Um, the World Health Organization have been heavily criticized for its sluggish response to the West African outbreak, which uh, it repeatedly declined to, to declare global emergency until the virus was spreading explosively in three countries and nearly 1,000 people were already dead. Uh, internal documents later show that who held off partly out of fear a declaration would anger the countries involved and hurt their economies. Listen, I don't give a fuck about a country getting angry. You're the World Health Organization looking out for the world, right? Unless we have a different definition of what the fucking world is. Now this current outbreak is spreading in um, in a turbulent Congo border region where dozens of rebel groups are active and where Ebola has not yet been experienced before. So that's a, it's, it's a unique dynamic, uh, 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 dynamic. Efforts to contain the virus have been hurt by mistrust among weary locals um, that has prompted deadly attacks on health workers. So these health workers are even getting attacked. Some affected people have deliberately uh, evaded health authorities also. So so we have a real big problem going on here, guys. Um, and he, this is hilarious. The pastor, you know, that guy guy who brought Ebola to Goma, used several fake names to conceal his identity on his way to the city. Yeah, pastor. That's a, that's a man of God. Um, who on Tuesday, and I say who, when I say who, I'm saying World Health Organization. It's hard to say it a bunch of times. Um, 
On Tuesday, said the man had died, and health workers were scrambling to trace dozens of his contacts, including those who had traveled on the same bus. Congo's Minister of Health uh, resisted the characterization of the outbreak as a health emergency. Of course you do. We accept the decision of the Committee of Experts, but one hopes that this decision, um, that it's a decision that wasn't made under pressure of certain groups that want to use this as a way to raise funds for certain humanitarian actors, said Dr. Oli Lunga. So this dude's basically saying, I don't think there's really an emergency here. I think you're just trying to get more money. You, you're trying to embezzle humanitarian funds. I, I don't know the dynamics well enough to say whether that's true or not, but I don't put it past anybody. That's 100% plausible. Um, those working in the field say the outbreak is clearly taking a turn for the worse despite advances um, that included the widespread use of experimental but effective Ebola vaccine. Dr. Maurice Kakul was one of the first people to survive the current outbreak after he fell ill while treating a woman last July before the outbreak had been declared. Um, and let's see where we at here on time. 52 minutes. All right. Let me just run through a couple more here real quick. Uh, Italy bans McDonald's from building amidst monuments of ancient Rome, in case you missed this story. And as someone who has been to this particular area of Rome, they're talking about, um, I 100% agree. I've walked those streets and all, I've walked those streets two times. Um, pictures or words can even do it justice. Let me, let me say it that way. To this architecture that is on display in that city. And even if it's for my own selfish reasons, I would like to see that preserved. There was something that was very unique that happened in that time of history in terms of our building capabilities and just the shit carved into buildings is amazing. The detail of this work is amazing. These buildings are beautiful. You it, you are literally looking at everything and all. And I didn't even take that many pictures. I just sat there and was looking at it because I, I like to, you know, I like to enjoy it myself, not through a, a, a screen. Um. Here's another great story in humanity. The Tokyo 2020 Olympic medals have been made from 800, uh, I'm sorry, 80,000 tons of recycled mobile phones and electronics. That's right. And as someone who has also walked the streets of Tokyo, or I've walked the streets of Rome, I've walked the streets of Tokyo, and uh, I've, I've experienced that electro, electronic bidet, bro, that they have in every bathroom to clean that dingle juice out your ass. Uh, I can say the Japanese are ahead of their time on all this kinds of shit. Um, now, with the opening ceremony for the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, the medals are one thing organizers won't need to worry about finishing in time. Um, this medal project sparked the collection of nearly 80,000 tons of mobile phones and small electronic devices around Japan, which will be used in the, uh, the crafting of every gold, silver, and bronze Olympic and Paralympic medal award to the athletes at next year's games. They expect roughly 5,000 medals given out between the two games. Uh, among the massive hall of electronics was over 6 million mobile phones. Uh, as a result of the two-year donation drive, Tokyo announced that 100% of the metals used to make the shiny awards would be extracted from materials found in the donated electronics and phones. The nearly 158 million pounds of donated electronics was reduced down to approximately 71 pounds of gold 7,700 pounds of silver, and 4,850 pounds of bronze. Following a process of dismantling, extracting, and refining, the metals will be fused into uh, the brainchild of the Olympic gold designer, Junichi Kawanashi, um, who was granted the design 
uh, opportunity after winning the competition held in Tokyo um, that drew over 400 entries. Project organizers hope the nationwide electronics drive will help establish a theme of resourcefulness for the Tokyo Games. Conversely, uh, Olympics of years past have been known for hurry construction projects that later yielded massive abandoned stadiums. You see that all over the world. They spend billions of dollars building these stadiums. The Olympics goes away, and these things just deteriorate, and they don't get used again. It's such a uh, it's such a waste of the resources we have here as humans, right? Just for fucking a game. And I love the Olympics, but it's such a waste of resources. It really is human resources. Um, and we're all we're all these resources belong to all of us. Um, we hope um, we. Uh, this is from this is from the the the. Uh, the organization's website says we hope that our project to recycle small consumer electronics and our effort to contribute to an environmentally friendly and sustainable society will become a legacy of the of the Tokyo 2020 games. So they're basically hoping that this kind of just starts a trend to say, hey, look, we're being environmentally friendly on this. We, we want to host these games. We want we still want to participate in these world games. We want this. This is great for for the world to um, bring everybody together and, co- and camaraderie. But we should also respect the resourcefulness and, and let's learn to do this at, at better. And, to, and Tokyo, uh, uh, Japan's always been good at that. And these are some clean uh, places clean, bro. Um, all right. That's going to bring that's that's going to be it for the for the current topics. Um, that's going to bring us to a real quick the little segment we do um, every every so often, which is Chromatic Distortion's Free Speech Watch. Uh, this week, we keep the disturbing trend of another member of Congress telling people they can't have a voice, they need to stay home. And uh, this comes from uh, uh, Ayanna Presley, who is the U.S. representative for Massachusetts' 7th Congressional District. So I'm just going to play the clip and uh, let you hear it for yourself. So here we go. If you are not prepared to come to that table and to represent that voice, don't come. Because we don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. We don't need black faces that don't want to be a black voice. We don't need Muslims that don't want to be a Muslim voice. We don't need queers that don't want to be a queer voice. And if you're worried about being marginalized and stereotyped, please don't even show up. Because we need you to represent that voice. Joining me now is Congress. There you have it, guys. A Congresswoman who, by the way, in case you don't know who this lady is, is a person of color. And she was sitting up stay, uh, uh, on stage with, you know, AOC, the AOC plus three, the squad. Um, and, and they're literally up there saying they don't need another black, brown, Muslim, or queer, as she put it, face who doesn't have her exact opinion on life. So just stay home and shut the fuck up. Yep. So see, guys, this has never been about race. This has never been about religion, sexual preference, or equality, guys. This has only ever been about power and pushing a narrative. People need to wake up before it's too late. This is what's going on. This is, this is not about black versus white. This is about power versus not having power. That's it. It's that simple. All right, guys, that's going to, and, and, and real quick, and, and they don't want you to have that voice because then you're, you're um, undermining their ability to gain this power through racial divide. So what she's saying is, is if you're going to be a black person, 
and, and you're going to try to talk with white people and, and bring some um, togetherness, don't show up. Don't oppose us at all. Don't question our narrative. You either need to uh, be lock and toe with us or sit your ass at home. I mean, that's point blank. That's exactly what she said. Um, it's fucking nuts. But uh, that's it. That's going to uh, conclude this week's episode. Make sure to follow the social media accounts, give ideas, talk shit, share content, uh, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite listening platform. And remember the world is full of good people. If you can't find one, be one. I'll catch you on the flip side. You have just witnessed the lyrical stylistics of chromatic distortion. Next.